Welcome to Tactical Tip Tuesday, where I share a tip, tool, or dose of inspiration for your week. This week, I'd like to share some tips geared towards female recruits and officers, but really male officers and any first responder may find value as well. Before getting into the tips, I wanted to share some information about the 30 by 30 initiative. I recently learned of this project and its ultimate goal to increase representation of women in police recruit classes to 30% by the year 2030 and to ensure police policies and culture intentionally support the success of qualified women officers throughout their careers. According to the website, there's only 12% of police that are women and only 3% that are in leadership positions. This is no different than when I first started my career in 1996. According to an article in Police One, larger agencies such as Houston PD, NYPD, are signing on as well as state police agencies and smaller, more rural agencies. Recently, the Department of Homeland Security posted a female-only job announcement in an attempt to recruit female special agent applicants. I will include these links in the show notes if you're interested. After I retired from a 20-year law enforcement career in 2019, I reflected on the countless cases, calls, and trials and my repeated exposure to other people's trauma, which sometimes led to my own. As a female officer, expressing emotion, stress, or trauma can very often be dismissed on account of gender. However, bottling these things up can be hugely detrimental to your mental health. My advice is this, share your failures, embrace fear and vulnerability, practice resilience, and find your tribe. Expect and accept that you will fail, then seek feedback. If I could tell my younger pre-academy self not only to accept that I'm going to fail, but to expect it, that may have been a game changer. Resilience is born from failure. We only grow from adversity and discomfort. Resilient people share their failures, aren't afraid to admit mistakes, and don't hide behind a veil of perfection. Imagine how impactful it would be if our leaders and mentors normalized failure and turned our vulnerability into strength. Connection to others during difficult times is a physiological instinct. And one of my favorite of all time TED Talks, Kelly McGonigal discusses the effects of oxytocin. This social bonding hormone is emitted during times of stress and is the body's way of telling us to connect with others. However, many officers fight this instinct because traditionally cops have been taught to suck it up to keep it to yourself. It's just part of the job. So instead of turning to others, we do the complete opposite and suffer in silence, but things are changing. I believe we're in a better place today when it comes to awareness and recognition of how both primary and secondary trauma impacts first responders. Many agencies are starting to implement wellness initiatives to provide their personnel with the resources and tools they desperately need to cope with stress so that they can have long and healthy careers and retirements. The importance of first responder wellness has been recognized at the federal level and is evidenced by Congress passing the Law Enforcement Mental Health and Wellness Act. Number two, embrace fear and vulnerability. Fear isn't a word typically found in the law enforcement vernacular, but hear me out. Instinctual fear is necessary for self-preservation, especially in policing. When the fight or flight response kicks in during times of imminent physical danger, various biological changes occur, which can impair performance by causing tunnel vision or reducing motor skills, for example. Such effects can be minimized with proactive measures such as practicing yoga, meditation, and other tactical training. 
Instinctual fear is only one type of fear. The other is the unfamiliar. Instinctual fear keeps us alive, but unfamiliar fear keeps you from living. You can combat this second type of fear by proactively practicing courage. Courage doesn't mean that you won't experience fear, but the idea is not to let yourself become paralyzed by it. Fear can be debilitating, but it can also be a motivating factor. One of my favorite authors, Dr. Brene Brown, says being vulnerable is to be brave. Put yourself out there, whatever that means for you. Maybe you want to try out for the SWAT team, ask for a promotion, or just speak up during a squad meeting. It is possible to be both humble and brave. Number three, practice resilience. Resilience is not a passive sport. You can train yourself to be more resilient. I like to define resilience as preparing for, coping with, and growing from adversity. While I am an advocate of trusting yourself to be resilient enough to handle the challenges presented to you, we're not all hardwired the same. Our varied experiences and upbringings leave us at different starting points when we enter the academy. The good news is that many departments offer opportunities to build resilience through wellness initiatives, yoga, mindfulness, meditation, employee assistance programs, first responder psychologists, family readiness programs, resilience training, and other wellness initiatives that are helping to normalize this topic and start conversations about mental health. If your agency has yet to offer a wellness program, it's all the more important to take personal responsibility and make it a priority to stay physically, mentally, and spiritually healthy, whatever that looks like for you. I know cops who sing, play in a band, write science fiction, do photography, compete in CrossFit competitions, and more. Whatever that hobby, activity, or passion, that thing is that makes you happy, stick to it. And number four, find your tribe. I have had many male partners and friends on the force who I am close with to this day, my brothers. I have also been very fortunate to have several female partners and friends, starting from when I entered the academy. This bond with my sisters is unique and different than with the guys. Not better, not worse, just different. We're all mothers, daughters, sisters, wives, and partners. For some reason, there's a negative stereotype floating around that female officers treat each other more unkindly than our male partners. When I've encountered a few of those queen bees buzzing around in my time, I have found this to be absolutely false. I have made lasting friendships with female officers, not just in my agency, but from other agencies as well. I'm not sure how how I would have survived some days without them. We have socialized outside of work over the years at jewelry parties, yoga classes, and dinner clubs. Enjoying the girl stuff doesn't make you any less capable at doing your job. There is a unique support, understanding, and solidarity in the friendships formed between female cops. I'm not saying to force friendships because they're going to happen organically and you'll naturally be drawn to the women that you relate to. My suggestion is to be a forklift. If you notice a female officer struggling with daycare, a call they went on, or a fight with their spouse, reach out and check in. Women have a different experience as police officers, and these differences are what make a better, stronger department. Although there are so many more that I want to thank, my sisters in blue in particular that have been there for me over the years, thank you, Marielle, Jeanette, Sarah, Becky, Michelle, Addie, Brenda, Mary, and Amy. I am forever grateful for your support and friendship.